This is what your life should look like. And see, we go right to the application. We go right to, okay, here, here's what I have to do. And so these are the things I have to do. I need to clean myself up. I need to get it right. I need to look good. Then I can come before God in my own self-manufactured holiness. And then once I get it all together, God will finally accept me. God will finally love me. God will finally forgive me. And Paul knows that's, that's completely opposite to the gospel. In fact, it stands in in sharp contrast to who Jesus is. See, living a transformed life by the power of the Holy Spirit comes after the Holy Spirit begins to transform you. Ta-da! Maybe I could say it this way. Living like a Christian always becomes, living like a Christian always comes after you becoming a Christian. Not before. And so we live in, it's, it's, it's who Christ is, and then we live in relation to that. We don't clean ourselves up. Last Sunday, I got invited out to, uh, to dinner with a, a, a close brother of mine, and, and uh, we went out, and he had a few friends, and so I, I went down to the restaurant Sunday night, and uh, we got together. Now, I guess his two friends, they probably wouldn't be considered, you know, Christian in the, in the evangelical sense of, of, you know, Christianity or Jesus followers, but they used words like, like spiritual, and, you know, they believed in God, things like that. So I kind of go in, and, and this is the first time I've met them, and they have no idea who I am. They have no idea what I do, and I don't go in there and tell them that because I want people to feel comfortable around me, get to know me for who I am before they know what I do because that's, that's just a buzzkill right there when your pastor walks in and sits down. Oh, this is Pastor Dennis. <sighs> you know, and, and then you, know, you can just feel the, the life get sucked out of the room. <laughs> gone, you know, and then they just talk about holy things and they're fake and corny. And I'm just like, you know, throwing up. And so I digress. So anyway, so um, we're, we're chatting and uh, we're talking. And, and though I did say I attended church. And so we're having this conversation. We talked about culture and society and talked about God. We talked about faith. Uh, we, we talked about, we told old war stories, and I'm telling you, if I went like deep into mine, I could have trumped them all. I mean, these are kiddie stories that they're talking about. I was like, really? But anyway, and, and so we're, we're sort of having these conversations, and we're talking, and we're, and we're getting to know each other. And without saying it, it's like, like nobody said, well, this is my life philosophy on this. But, but you, you, when you're in those conversations, people are sharing what they think about the world, what they think about life. And I'll tell you, as I was talking with them, some of their philosophies are directly opposite from what I believe and from the way I live. I mean, like, directly opposite. You couldn't get it. One was black, the other was white. But I did not feel in any way uh, the impulse to correct them. I did not feel that I needed to make sure they knew the truth they knew where I was coming from, and obviously I am right, but they don't know I'm a pastor yet. But as soon as they would figure out I was a pastor, then I've, of course they would know I'm right. And so, but, but I, didn't, I didn't feel that, that sense at all, because I wanted them to get to know me. 
And then when they were dropping the F-bomb all the time or using other colorful language, I did not have to correct them and say, oh, you kiss your mama with that potty mouth. You know, none of those. I mean, I would say that to you all, but I mean, I wouldn't say it to them. I wasn't offended in any way by it because this is what I understand, that it's the Holy Spirit that transforms people's lives and not Dennis. It's the Holy Spirit that changes people's lives and not me. And so I have no expectation for somebody who is not a Christian to act and live like a Christian. Because we know that the behavior doesn't come first and then the Christ part. Jesus comes first. And see, there's a beauty in that. There's a release in that because we can let God just do his thing. About two hours in, I thought I was going to make it out. About two hours in, I mean, literally, we're paying the bill. We're ready to go. And, and one of the guys says, so, Dennis, what do you do? <laughs> oh, it's like the, the bummer question of all time. And, and I don't lie. So I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And you could feel the, the air get sucked out of the room in, in, in that one moment. And, and, and I can almost imagine, you know how they say like when, you're, when you're, you're meeting your death, like your life flashes before your eyes? I'm sure in that moment, every word, potty mouth word they said and everything that might have been colorful just went right through their mind because it just went. And then one of the guys said, huh, I'd go visit your church. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like I didn't like, I didn't like, you know, represent Christ well enough. You know, maybe too many stories of my past. I don't know. But the point is, we don't expect people to clean up and then come to Christ. Man, we just, we just turn them on to who Jesus is and let the Holy Spirit work in their lives and woo and call and change. And then... And then life begins to change. And Paul understands that. We have to understand the character and nature of who Jesus is and who God is. Because once, once we begin to understand that, the Holy Spirit is alive and well in us. And the Holy Spirit makes those changes. We can't stand in judgment of people who don't follow Jesus and expect them to get it all right. But Paul is talking about He's talking to the Christian. He's talking to, if then you have been raised with Christ, if you believe in the theologies that he has, repre- uh, he has, he has spoken, all those things about Jesus, that he has cre- everything in him and through him and for him has been created. And it's because of him that we have reconciliation. It's because of him that our sin has been nailed to the cross. If you believe in those things, then this is what your life should look like. And now I'm going to put that list up on the chalkboard. And I'm not even going to begin to read that up there. I'm going to read it out of my Bible because it's, I'll just read it here. It's much easier. This is Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through, it's not 1 through 3, but it's 5 through 14. Don't look at that. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now 
you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here, is, here there is no Jew or no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or a name that I don't like to pronounce, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I guess that we could spend the next year talking about breaking down each one of those little behaviors and going through what it would look like in to, to live or not live these things in the church. What does it look like in our life? What does it look like if we're living this, those things out there? I mean, look, just the first, just the first three. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Oh, that would make an awesome sermon, wouldn't it? Okay, this is what sexual immorality, impurity, and lust is. That, that could go from PG-13 to rated R, depending on how direct that I wanted to be with my terminology. Now, I remember I was a youth pastor, and uh, I did a sermon series, uh, uh, a, a Bible study. The Bible study was called Good Sex. It, it was a how not to, not a how to f- f- for the high school group. But there was some weeks of tension there because I just kind of tell it like it is. And I will just use the terms that culture, culture uses. So I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody here or have to give a PG-13 rating to a sermon. But, but I don't believe that we have to go through each and every one of these things to define it. I mean, you all kind of have a general idea. Those are the things that we should be getting rid of. Here are the things that we should be taking up, putting on. So get rid of those things. Put these other things on. And this is the way we're to look. This is the way our life should look. I think we can all realize that somewhere in us, all of us still are involved in the first half more than we would like to admit. And I think we can all, if we're honest, we don't live out the second half, verses 12 and on, as much as we should. I mean, lust, greed, malice, a little bit of rage, lying. Uh, Christians don't lie, we embellish. Sounds much better. I mean, I think, uh, okay, have you, have you ever been on your way to church, right? And uh, you're on your way to church, and maybe you got the kids in the car, maybe the wife's in the car, maybe whatever. And you're arguing and you're angry with each other. And you're fighting. On the way to church. And then you get into church. And everything seems to be much better. And the, and the plastic Christian face comes on. And everything is good. And then you get back into the car. It's like you never missed a beat. 
And you're back to arguing and being angry with each other again. These are the things that we're to put off, to get rid of in our lives. And so I would say that all of us fall into those things. I don't think there's a single person here. I don't think there's a single person here that can say, well, you know what? Compassion and kindness. Yeah, I got that. I mean, every moment of every day, I am compassionate and kind, almost to a fault. And, and my humility and gentleness is just, it's just staggering. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I mean, I'm even humble in my humility, which I have no idea what it means, but it just sounded really humble, didn't it? N- none of us, I mean, oh, and forgiveness, instantaneous and immediate. I don't hold a grudge against anybody. I mean, they don't even have to ask me for forgiveness. I'm just automatically forgiving them. It's, it's comical because we're all, we all live too much in the top and not enough in the bottom. And, 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 but this is Paul writing to the Christian. If then you have been raised with Christ, this is what your life should look like. I have no idea where I am in my notes. Could you just give me a minute? Thank you. Oh, here I am. I'm I'm right on board. And so we spend way too much time doing the things we don't want to do and way too little time doing the things that, not doing the things that we do want to do. And guess this, here's the good news. Paul wrestled with the very thing, this very thing. Romans chapter seven, he says exactly that. And he's the bum that wrote this big list. And so he's wrestling with that very thing. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And so we, as Christians, we live in this tension. We live in the tension of, of what we're supposed to be and what we're really not. If you are raised with Christ, then your life needs to reflect this text, these verses. And then for me, there's, there's even like a little bit more tension because... Verse 7, it says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. What, like five minutes ago? I, I mean, I, that's, that's like, okay, you were once over here, but now that's no more. And that's just not true for me. I think verse 9, uh, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. I think I still have one foot in that pair of old self because I, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Verse 10, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of our creator. And sometimes I don't feel renewed at all. Sometimes my old self just wrestles and fights with the new self in Christ. And sometimes that old self feels like it's winning and I am losing the battle. And so Paul writes, if then you've been raised with Christ to this new life, this is what it's supposed to look like. What he's saying is, is you need to become what you already are in Jesus. You need to become what you, your new identity that you have in Christ. And so now, because of Jesus, you are dead to sin in your everyday reality, in everyday life, in everyday action, in everyday words. You have become dead to that sin, and you have been raised again in new life. And see, what even, even causes me a little bit more tension, these are not just outward, external behaviors. These are conditions of the heart. Because we know that where the heart is, words and behaviors flow from the heart. So this is, this, is, this is digging deep into our human nature of who we are. 
And I'll tell you, if according to this list, I got some blackness that's left in my heart, some darkness that's still there. And I know the Lord wants to take it out, and I know he wants to rip it out, but sometimes I just like to hold on. Sometimes anger feels really good sometimes. But Yes, Lord. <laughs> He's coming for that blackness right now. But I want to give you a little bit of encouragement. There's a little bit here, but there's more at the end. So I'm going to give you a little taste. You see, if this is causing you some tension, if my words are just kind of going, "Uh uh-oh, ugh, huh. If there's a little bit of tension in you because, man, you realize in this moment, and you've realized in the past that, man, you're not, you're not there. You're not where Christ wants you to be. You're not where God wants you to be. And then there's this, this check inside your spirit right now. There's some tension. I want to say this, that that is probably evidence of the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart right now. Evidence of God working in your heart right now. Because if you look at this and go, eh, whatever. That's, that's just me and you got to take me. There's, there's one of two things happening. Either that's just arrogance and God's going to have to blow you up. Or you may not be saved at all. You might not possess salvation at all. And so, what's the point? I can't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. I'm supposed to fix my eyes on Jesus, my heart on Jesus, my mind on Jesus. And then Paul's got the audacity to launch into this list of things that I need to do and things I, things I have to get rid of. I mean, anger, really? And embellishing? Come on. Slander? Mal- slander. We don't slander. We, we call it prayer. Right? I mean, oh, tell me about that so I can pray for that person. Right? He, he, he has the audacity to lay this list out. And then, then you have this realization of, well, I don't do what I want to do. And I do the things that I don't want to do. I get caught in this, this circle, this, this ugly pattern of, of just feeling ugh. And then, yeah, okay, there's some tension in me sometimes when I, when I do that. But it's not all the time. So is God only working part-time in me? Or, or am I ignoring what God's doing in me? So even the fact that maybe God isn't working in me, oh my goodness, that's causing me some tension. But I don't know what to do with that tension. And so you're on, this, you're on this hamster wheel of just kind of running around and in circles and in circles. Oh, great, I have evidence of God working me only part-time. And what does that look like? And then you come to the point in your life, you go, well, how do I do this? How do I get there? How do I put to death some stuff? How do I, how do I take off this, 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 this anger and the malice, the slander? How do I put on all of these, these hallmark, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience? I mean, come on, does, does, does Paul have any idea what it's like to live in 2013? Does Paul have any idea what it means to work at my job? Does Paul have any idea what it's... I would say he has... A very good idea. But okay, so how do I just make my life not about some pharisaical uh, list of, of behaviors and that I have to change? Okay, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to make a list of my good behaviors. I'm going to make a list of my bad behaviors. And I'm hoping by the end of the day that I'm going to be able to put more check marks in the good column than in the bad column. And then I can call that day a win. And I can go to bed with a little, a little, a little bit lighter of a heart, knowing that, man, I, I, was, I was 10 to 9 today. 
And the 10th one was in my car so the person didn't hear it. We're, we're taught in our society that, uh, that our actions determine our habits. And that habits will determine your character. And that your character determines your destiny. Kind of what kind of person you're going to end up being. But see, the answer to the question that I just asked is... How do you get there? It's the Holy Spirit of grace. And see, this whole idea of, of uh, actions determine um, habits, habits determine character, character determines our destiny, that is foreign, foreign to the grace of God. That's foreign to the grace of God. Your character is dependent on the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ poured out on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be victorious in the things that Paul writes about is not for you to be dependent on your self-development, on your self-improvement, uh, on some self-help regimen that you might, might try to launch into. I remember my parents were in, uh, in Amway when I was, like, in middle school. And so we did a lot of um, positive mental attitude stuff. And so my father taught me every morning I had to get up and say these words. Today I will be happier, healthier, stronger, wiser, and more prosperous. And trying to convince myself that I was going to be happier, healthier, stronger, wiser, and more prosperous. Okay, so, you know, that was, like, a long time ago. I'm 47 years old right now. It didn't work. And so self-help isn't going to get me there. Self-improvement is not going to get me there. Oprah is not going to get me there. Montel, he's flamed out too. He's not going to get me there. What is going to get us there? It's our walking in the Spirit. And so here's the really good, remember I told you that like that was a little bit of good news over here? Here's the, here's the big good news on this side of it. The walk isn't even our responsibility. Our part in it is a place of surrender. Surrendering yourself to the one who has instigated, commissioned the walk surrendering your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. And a heart that is surrendered to the Holy Spirit is a heart that is surrendered to the grace of God. And in that surrender, we walk in victory. We walk this way. I need to be careful when I say this, but God is more concerned about the condition of your heart and not necessarily so much about the behaviors that you're engaged in because God knows that from the heart flow your actions. And God wants your heart. God wants your heart. And so surrender comes from deep within, deep within the soul, deep within your heart. And that grace changes and it refines the desires of our hearts to empower us to live in the desires that God would have for us. Rules can't do it. 
Behavior changes, modifications can't do it. The law can't do it. Some pithy little mantra every morning can't do it. It is only the grace of God that changes us. Only the grace of God that changes us. Improving your behavior is never about you improving your behavior. Improving your behavior is never about you trying to follow the rules more, trying to get it right, trying to clean yourself up. If you want your behaviors to align with the the character and nature of Jesus Christ, then you just open your heart and surrender to the grace of God. And there is where change happens. There is where change happens. Grace is is not law. Grace is not demanding. Grace is not you earning. It's grace is accepting. It's accepting the, the, the assurance and the completeness of Jesus Christ in you. It's accepting, accepting that Christ lives in you. And you walk in assurance of that. If then you've been raised with Christ. Now, see, I'm a little concerned next week because things, things might get tough next week in, in what, what I think the Lord may be leading to. I, I'm not quite sure where we're going next week. But I want you to hear this, and I think this is, what, this is what, what God wants you to understand this morning. If you have been raised with Christ, then God rejoices. He rejoices in every step you take toward him. Whether it's a very small step or whether it's a huge step, he rejoices Every time that you can take a step toward him by the power of his Holy Spirit, receiving his grace. And every failure in your life, every time you fall into the top and you don't and you do, you're not at the bottom here. Every time you fail, every sin, you are forgiven. Not because you deserve it, but again, because of the grace of Jesus Christ poured out to each and every one of us on the cross. Every small step towards Christ, towards God, he rejoices. And every failure, you can find forgiveness. It is, it is the surrendered Christian that in their failing in their sin, in their junk, in their brokenness. It is the surrendered Christian that would run to God and not away from Him. You see, it's our natural instinct that when we mess up, we run run away from God and we run away in guilt and in shame and we try to clean ourselves up and we try to fix ourselves again so that we maybe can make ourselves ready to go back to him again. And finally, in our own human mentality, we're going to find that we run a little bit farther away and a little bit farther away. And then all of a sudden, we're just not going back anymore because we think that God can never forgive the shortcoming again. We think that we think that he can never just one more time forgive us. But I'm telling you, it's the heart of a surrendered Christian that runs to God 
and not away from him. Because where there is surrender, there is grace. And where there is grace, guilt and shame cannot live. And now, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.